Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Coming to you live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, Jason Bukula, Sportsnet columnist, former NHL scout, will join us. Books. He's very good, very insightful. I'm very a humongous smart. fan. He is. Uh, he's very excited for this tournament because many of the top picks are going to be in attendance, whereas typically yep. there will be like two or three of the top draft eligible players because of the U20 tournament and they're 18-year-olds. But this class is so elite that there is a ton of them that are going to be at the tournament. And there's a couple of Flames prospects that are going to be like middle six centermen type players for their respective nations. So we'll get into those too. How, how, how jacked up do you get for the World Junior Hockey Championship? I really love the World Juniors. I think really? me and you aren't going to see eye to eye on this because it's been like a family tradition for me for a very long time. That's cool. Um, my dad's brother's family used to go absolutely nuts for the World Junior, so we'd always go on like ski trips and watch the first game on Boxing Day and the whole nine yards, and it was a cool. big deal. And I, uh, I love kind of prospects and the, the NHL draft and and being ready and and understanding all that type of stuff and who the next crop of great players are going to be. So I do yeah. love the World Juniors. Uh, I, I'm so I'm so old. I'm not, I'm not that old, but I'm older than you are. And I remember, Maddie, uh, I used to watch the World Junior Hockey Championships as a kid on, like, a grainy feed from, like, Czechoslovakia <laughs> as Canada was playing on the CBC. Like, that's my World Junior Hockey memories, too, from so back in the day. Who who would you – who were some of your, like, favorites? Because, like, I can remember when Everlay oh was there, um, like, Crosby – all those type yeah, of guys no, yeah, in the like, early 2000s. Again, I recall I remember all that. Yeah. Way back when, when the three letter network took it over. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta give them a ton of credit. They like they've, they've turned this into an event every holiday season. Like just tip of the cap to the three letter network for doing what they do with the world junior hockey championship to do a great job putting that thing together. Um, obviously you go old school for me, John Slaney scoring the gold medal winning goal. Oh yeah. There you go. I like that way back when. And there's one thing that I want to ask, um, Jason about that. I always have this feeling the two weeks at the world junior hockey championship and how these prospects perform. It's a bit of fool's gold. Because sometimes these guys rise and fall in the ranks based on just this little two-week sample size. And then they really never turn out to be, you know, that player you'd think they were during that tournament. Yeah. Like, there isn't a better example to me than Justin Pogie. Oh, yeah. Who backstopped Canada to a gold medal. And the Leafs picked him over Tuka Rask. Now... I would say over the last decade, you don't see it nearly as much where guys at the World Juniors don't actually pan out. Like, they usually turn into at least bottom sixers. But some of my favorite players, and this is kind of blasphemous because they're actually Americans, but I 
I love watching guys who are just bigger than the rest of their age class kind of dominate this tournament. And I oh, understand yeah. that they usually don't go on to kind of dominate the same way in the NHL. Like two of the perfect examples to me would be Jordan Greenway and Tage Thompson. Like Greenway, when he played at the World Juniors his final time, was so much bigger than everybody else, the Minnesota Wild forward, and was right. such a menace the entire tournament, um, physically, offensively, you name it. And he's been good in Minnesota, but he's kind of been up and down. And then Tage Thompson was another guy who was just huge, bigger than everybody else, so, but didn't pan out for a few years. I... Uh... The World Junior Hockey Championship, the latest edition in Buffalo, was in 2018. And uh, they had the training camp in St. Catharines because they built a new arena where the Ice Dogs play, the Niagara Ice Dogs play there. Yep. And uh, I was there covering it. Nice. And it was, it was fantastic uh, watching some of the young guys. And I remember uh, years back um, when the tournament was first in Buffalo watching McDavid. Yep, yep. Very like. This is the one thing that immediately struck me about Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. It's just the face of the defenseman when he's coming down <laughs> on them. Like, oh my God. Fear. This guy's fast. Fear. That's what it yeah. is. Fear and terror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. And again, yeah, he's, he's, he's a freak. Again, I'm not the biggest world junior hockey guy. Okay. I'm not. But I understand why a lot of Canadians, the romance with the World Junior Hockey like, Championship, this might the holidays might be a little a lot of traditions. Might be a little blasphemous, but yeah. I'm going to watch way more of the World Juniors than I watch the World Cup, and it's not even close. I'll probably watch more That's of the fine. World Juniors and, than the World Cup by yeah. day two. And you're not, and you're not in the minority. So I think a lot of uh, our listeners, and again, the the. The World Junior Hockey Championship should only be in like Western Canada and Eastern Canada. That's it. There's a couple places in Europe, like some of the powerhouse countries, that I think it does quite well. Sure, but I'm just talking in this country. Yes. Like there's no, okay. Yeah. The 100%. World Junior should never be played in Toronto because people don't care about it. A hundred percent agree. There's too much stuff it going on. It should be on. in Western Canada where people care about it, and in the Maritimes where people care about it. I like when it is in Saskatchewan. Um, yeah, Red Deer is a great place for it. Sure. Um, all literally, there's so many teams that kind of play in the Western Hockey League that have buildings that can support it, and yeah. and you would like to see, you know, kind of have the opportunity to host these events because those are the fans that love it too. Like those are the fans that watch a ton of junior hockey and are dialed right. into those age ranges because you can't go and watch an NHL game every day. Uh, we'll talk more on the World Juniors with Jason Bukula straight ahead, and we'll obviously talk about the Calgary Flames. Uh, still taking your text messages, 960-960, name and location. Uh, do you actually know anyone who celebrates Festivus? Like, for real? Seriously? Because today is Festivus for the rest of us, apparently. 960-960, name and location. Uh, Huberto turning down open looks in front of the net is like me turning down blank. Uh, we want those as well. And uh, I'll get to the Christmas Eve beverage thing uh, in a minute. But want to talk about that overtime win last night. I feel like three okay. games into this California trip for the Calgary Flames, Maddie. Yeah. I feel like you should be feeling pretty good as a Flames fan. 
that all of a sudden the team has scored 15 goals in three games. And that's been the biggest sore spot for this team this season, their inability to put the biscuit in the basket. And I think that's one thing that you can really take away so far from this trip is, yeah, I know it's against the Sharks. Yeah, I know it's against Phoenix Copley, and I get all of that. Mm -hmm. But, again, it's about confidence, right? And I think it's a very good sign that this team is starting to put the puck in the net. And with the way they play defense and the way they can stop the puck in net, that's just going to bode well for this team in the second half of the season. I 100% agree with you. You look at this, and, and there is only four players on the Flames who did not have a shot on net yesterday as they were able to kind of spread it out. Everybody was contributing offensively. That was a game that, like I said off the top, George, I thought it was a really strong road game. Like, you don't necessarily want stuff to be really high event when you're out. And understanding you got to play the next night as well, you don't want to necessarily conserve energy, but you don't want to be wasting energy at the same time. I thought they played really well and, and did a lot of things that you need to do. And there's some good things that you like to see. Hannafin and Anderson are playing extremely well right now. That play that Hannafin makes on the Dylan Dubé goal is... That's an incredible pass and great reads to get down the wall, great boots to be able to maneuver around the net and, and make that pass. Dubé is looking more confident than he has all year long. Tyler Toffoli shooting the puck really well. Um, you know, we talked about Jonathan Huberto and how he, you'd love to see him shoot the puck a little bit more, but he scores yesterday. That line looks like they have a little bit of chemistry and there might actually be a little something there with Milan Lucic, although you do wonder about that being, you know, a consistent solution or a long-term solution. Overall, there's a lot of things to like. I talked about it going into the LA game. Like, that San Jose win, you scored seven goals, which is a uh, season high. Jonathan Huberto had three points, which was a season high. You had back-to-back -back wins for Markstrom. You had back-to-back -back games where Milan Lucic had scored. There was a lot of things to like, and that carried over into L.A. Unfortunately, you only leave with the one point, and it's a divisional game, so you kind of hate it. Right. But if you can get these two in Anaheim and, and go back and, and into the holidays seven of eight, I think yeah. you're, you're feeling like, well, okay, we, what else could we have done? What we could have shot two pucks in overtime, and maybe they go in, and maybe they don't, and we still lose that game. So, and then it's the George Bush meme in front of the aircraft carrier mission accomplished for the Flames. Yeah. Daryl Sutter said wants this team uh, in a playoff spot by Christmas, and they would be. They would, yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's the thing you got to keep pressing. Um, yeah, they've got to have some things fall their way on the rest of the schedule today as well, like. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Colorado is in action later today, as are the Edmonton Oilers, and you'd need both of them to lose in order to jump over them. But, hey, you can beat the Ducks, and you have a chance to get into a playoff spot at the holiday break. So take advantage of it. And, yeah. like, there's four points between the Flames and the next team in the Western Conference wildcard race. They're keeping in it. They're As much as this season has perhaps been a disappointment with some really lofty expectations... You know, which, you know, you, you can debate the merit of those expectations until you're blue in the face. They're sticking around. I didn't think it was going to be the, the easiest thing to get all these new players in and, and try and learn the Daryl Sutter system and, and work through all of that. But they've been able to keep their head above water. You can get into a playoff spot for this break. I think you feel good about it. This is the unofficial half of the season, right? Right. And it's, and it's unbelievable how just the the feel around the team 
is a lot of difference. And 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 mind you, that that could change tonight if if they lay an egg against the Ducks. Like th- this is a game you want to have. You want to have the good vibes heading into the Christmas break here. But a week ago, they played that just turkey of a game against the San Jose, uh, the St. Louis Blues at home. Mm-hmm. Like that was just a bad, bad performance, and kind of felt like maybe the low point of the season. And now all of a sudden, uh, the team has bounced back. Coincidentally, uh, no surprise that Tanev's back in the lineup and the team is playing a lot better. Yeah, so weird, hey? So crazy and yeah, weird. so That's crazy. So strange. So weird. Um, um, doesn't surprise me at all, George. Uh, no. And I think Zadorov is still battling through something. He's looked a little tentative these last couple games since he blocked that shot. You love that he's playing, and I'm not overly surprised, but I think a few days off would be good for the big man. Uh, real quick, too, uh, Daryl Sutter said last night, uh, three lines and five defensemen did a really good job for us last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the one defenseman that didn't? I would say it was Michael Stone. Probably. Um, with that, uh, what was the one that he was kind of wearing the goat face on? Uh, there was the penalty shot, which wasn't good. Yeah. I'd have to go back and examine. but And, by the way, that was, was that even assumption? a penalty shot? Oh, it was a soft call, if you ask me. Yeah. I would have said, sla- a you want to give a slashing breakaway. call? Sure, it wasn't a clear-cut breakaway. If the yeah. definition of it is from the blue line in, like, I don't know. It, <laughs> I, I When I saw it live, I was like, okay, it makes sense. Then you watch the replay a couple times, you're like, ah, mm, okay. Yeah, I guess, I know I guess that's league. what we're giving out for penalty shots today. Like yeah, the league wants how many times the league wants more of those. How many times is there a play, and we think it should be a penalty shot, and then it's not, and then that is. I don't know. Okay, sure. Right. Little soft. Um, okay, we got we got a couple uh, pieces of business to attend to. Sure. Um, do you actually uh, know anybody who celebrates Festivus for real? No. I don't actually know anybody that fe- celebrates Festivus for real. I um because um, apparently our man, our man uh, Frankie Frank Cervalli does it. So uh, apparently we don't know too many people listening who do that. I'd which like is good. to see. I'd like to see evidence because, like, the first time, when, even when you played back the clip, the first yeah. half of the clip, I'm like, I think he's being sarcastic. Like, I don't think he actually sets that stuff. No, up. he does. But then at the very end, he's like, no, for real, like I do. And I'm, hmm, I'm just not sure. Like, if you if you potentially um, try to call or email Frank, does he does it bounce back to you as, I can't talk today, I'm celebrating Festivus? I'm celebrating. what would happen? Yeah, let me air my grievances. Leave me alone. Um... And again, nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Huberto turning down open looks in front of the net is like me turning down blank. Um, also wanted to uh, share this with you. Um, do you have a specific thing you like to get after with on Christmas Eve, uh, beverage wise? Because I want to ask you <laughs> and producer Patty Dumas. Because I'm going to share something very traditional with you that uh, it really puts more hair on my Serbian chest. Uh, so oh, good. Um, there's a there's a beverage, uh, it's plum brandy. It's called Shivovica. Okay. Yeah. It's like rocket fuel. Okay. Like this stuff is like. When I was a kid, uh, if I had a sore throat, my mom used to give me some Shivovica to gargle it and spit it out because it was so potent. Ugh. Yeah, I know the stuff you're talking about. 
Yeah, plum brandy. So it's uh-huh. so potent that on Christmas Eve uh, at my house, what we do is um, we heat it up, Patty. <laughs> like mulled wine? And then you put a little a little tiny bit of honey in it. Yeah, mulled wine. That's almost exactly what that is. And let me tell you, uh, you drink it, and then that single bead of sweat comes down <laughs> from your forehead. I don't know the one you're talking about. And yeah. your guts are like, what? Yeah, what is this? Something about How do I drinking... digest this? I'm not a motor there's... engine. What are you yeah, putting there... in me? <laughs> there's something about drinking a little bit of warm Shivavitsa on Christmas Eve that gets you in the holiday spirit. It's second to none. Is there something at the Maddie Rose household that you do Christmas Eve beverage-wise? This is such a mess, and I'm always such a mess on Christmas Eve because of it. But I literally just don't drink anything. I'll show up to my to my dad's place with yeah. like a, a a variety of different beers because I'll usually just get there Christmas Eve and post up for like three or four days, and I'll bring a, a case of beer. I'll probably bring some sort of Kahlua or Bailey's. Uh, I'll drink that at any point in the day. Also, I'll drink it in my coffee in the morning, but I'll just put yeah. it on ice cubes during the day or in the evening. Uh, I will mix in these beers. I will crack open Pop's liquor cabinet and start sampling whatever is in there. I've contributed a fair amount to what is in there, so I feel like I have a little bit so, of But you're a rain. complete and total lush. Dude, there is I, no specific thing. I'm all over the map, and that is why I am just such a disaster by the end of Christmas Eve. And I usually take a couple of weed gummies by the end of the night and okay, really wow. bring the okay. whole darn thing together. Okay, uh, does does your lady friend Haley ever say, hey, Matt, dial it back a little bit? We actually haven't done Christmas together. Uh, this is our fifth. We're going to celebrate our five-year anniversary this summer. And uh, I don't believe, no, we've never been together for Christmas because she goes home to her family in Mayerthorpe and I stay here. We both have grandparents who are getting up there and don't really oh. want to be apart from them. So okay. uh, we usually split up for three or four days on Christmas, which is kind of whack. But uh, there you go. It's so probably another reason, reason why I get even more mangled. Totally after it. Yeah. Uh, producer Patty Dumas, do you, what do you get after on Christmas Eve? I, I George, you know me. I don't really drink that much. You know, I don't really don't. Not so a you're really, a weed gummy guy. Uh, not a gummy guy. <laughs> okay. But there I'm is, also infused with cannabis. That okay? That is me. Um, okay. No, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't drink. That's me. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that. Patty's gonna um, go see every single viewing of Avatar this uh, this holiday break. <laughs> I gotta see Avatar one first. <laughs> I've j- yeah, me neither. <laughs> I, I, spent, I haven't seen Avatar either. I spent this week rewatching the original Avatar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no it thanks. took like it's a good four story. days. <laughs> yeah, um, James Cameron's from my hometown, Niagara Falls. Him and I have had similar career paths. <laughs> Did you go down to the to oh, okay. Challenger Deep as well? Yeah, you yeah, built your own submarine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a multi-millionaire, world-famous, one of the greatest directors who ever lived. How, I host a mediocre radio show in Calgary on AM radio. How many species of sea creatures have you discovered? Not zero. So, okay, so there's an X there. All right. like There's not a lot of similarities, George. I think as we're breaking no, this none. down, there's a little... Zero. Hmm. Oh, that's too bad. Um... Get those texts rolling in 969-60. Do you actually celebrate Festivus? Do you know somebody who does for real? No. And Huberto turning down open looks in front of the net is like me turning down blank. 
We'll get to those. Uh, Jason Bukula straight ahead. Uh, we'll tee up kind of the World Junior Hockey Championships. We'll ask him about the Calgary Flames. I want to get his perspective too, Maddie, on uh-huh. Milan Lucic and what he sees out of Milan Lucic right now. Sure. Yeah, I love From that. From a scouting perspective. From a, a scout's eye? Yeah. See what Bukula Derek Wills. Say. I assume he's out in the Maritimes getting set for the World Junior Tournament, but he might be uh, heading there this weekend as well. Who knows? Uh, Derek Wills, the play-by-play voice of the Flames at the top of the hour, too. All right, it's a big show. Ruskin Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Turn it up, Garrett. Hit it, Mariah. Yeah, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, the crown jewel of Christmas music. All I want for Christmas from Mariah Carey. I think it's an undisputable take. I'd agree. Like, you can... You know, music is very subjective, just like movies and stuff, but that's the best Christmas song ever written. It's Done. the most catchy. It's got such a great intro, the lead yeah. up. It just, it's as soon everything. as you hear those first tones, just shivers up yeah. the spine. You know right away. Um, we got lots to do still. Derek Wills, Flames play-by-play voice for Sportsnet 960 at the top of the hour. But right now, on the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar and Guest Hotline, Jason Bukala, Sportsnet columnist and former NHL scout joining us. Jason, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, listening to Mariah Carey there, I mean, she must just be able to sit around all year and just cast tracks at Christmas. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, just, just the best. best. Okay, Jason, who do you think's got it better? Mariah Carey in December or Bobby Bonilla when he gets like $1.3 million every July 1st from the Mets? <laughs> oh, I know. That's absolutely insane. There's a few of those ones floating around baseball, though. I mean, we'd have to do a deep dive. That's like a whole other show. It's He's, awesome. Uh, it's crazy. I know Bobby Bowl back in the geez, the nineties, right? Like mid nineties, oh, yeah. late nineties. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't because the Penguins owed Mario Lemieux so much in deferred money they couldn't pay him, they gave him a stake in the ownership of the team and that's how it kind of shook its way out here? That's exactly how it shook its way out. They were actually entering into a um they were in default, if you remember. They were heading towards yes. bankruptcy, and uh, you know they couldn't pay him out. So that was part of the uh, part of the agreement back then. That that worked out pretty well for him, yeah, too, actually. Jeez. I would say so. I think the Penguins are worth a few more dollars than back in the day uh, when they yeah, were struggling. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, where are you right now? Are you headed to the World Juniors out east? I am. Yeah, I'm heading out. I just been. Uh, I'm in London right now. Just going to be Christmas here with the family, and uh, okay. we're getting hammered by this uh, this bomb of weather right now. This is awful here in London, but uh, I'm here now and uh, heading out east. Looking forward to it. Just been preparing, uh, going through rosters, obviously, and breaking down some some film on the uh, exhibition plate to to date so far. Um, how as a as a uh, former NHL scout, how tough is it? to kind of put in perspective what you watch during a 
two-week tournament? Because I know a lot of fans get excited about prospects if they shine at the World Junior Hockey Championships, and then eventually when they make their way to the NHL, maybe some are underwhelming, some live up to the hype. How tough is it to kind of limit expectations on what you see in a two-week tournament to maybe what this player ultimately will be when they reach the National League? Yeah, it's got a lot of moving parts. Um, it, you really have to keep things in perspective. Uh, you know, some of the some of the players are playing on teams that are, you know, not really going to be medal contenders. Uh, or if you're part of that top four group, you know, the the consensus Canada, U.S., Finn, Swedes type thing. Um, you still have to keep it in perspective because there's only one puck, and you're going to have some guys that are going to be playing out of position. You can have some guys that uh, aren't going to see power play minutes uh, just due to the depth of the rosters. And so when you get into situations like that, when you get a guy who's, you know, back home in Liga from Finland, for example, or even if he's playing J20 and he's, you know, scoring at will on the power play over there, but he doesn't get a sniff over here in this, in this two week window, you start to look for other things in his game. Uh, the other little details, you know, his off the puck play is his back check, uh, picking up in a, appropriately identifying his responsibilities. So it can be good uh, that way because you can see some uh, some players evolving and doing things that uh, otherwise they aren't really tasked to do with as much detail with their club teams. Uh, but at the same token, if you're just for the casual fan, some people will get a little uh, knotted up by, by not seeing certain results from a player they thought he was going to be a, an offensive juggernaut. And um, just think of it this way. It's their best national team, right? So there's only so much... Uh, uh, so much of a role for every uh, every player on the roster. Um, I never get too high, never get too low. I'm more interested in seeing uh, how the draft eligibles do in an event like this compared to uh, some of the other kids. J- Jason, from your time when you were with the Panthers uh, in their um, in your role there when you were doing all of their director of amateur scouting, um, was there ever a player that might have really shot up your rankings? from his play at the tournament. Do you remember a specific example of someone that raised their stock or maybe hurt their stock at this particular tournament while you were with the Cats? I don't, you know, I can't really say that uh, I put that much stock in it uh, to say that the kid's going to go from like a second round pick to a first round pick. Um, having said that, you know, guys like Spencer Knight, who we drafted in the first round in, um, in the Vancouver, at the Vancouver draft, yeah. you know, kids like that, um, we monitor very closely in pressure pack situations, you know, his big stop ability and his focus when he lets in a bad one. Um, do we carry that on into the second half of the season in a positive or negative? I would say more in a positive, <clears throat> but there are times that, uh, you know, the learning experience, uh, we have to, the kids have to understand that not every day is a good day. And by the time they get to the national hockey league level, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of days that aren't great days. So how do they react to that? How do we, uh, how can we massage it to make it a little bit more accommodating for them and understand the process? So I can't say that I've had a guy that's really skyrocketed in the, on my draft class necessarily, mm-hmm. maybe Tim Stutzla. Sure. Tim Stutzla. Yeah. You know, I would say that the German team, uh, where was that in Slovakia? I'm dating myself here, 2017, something like that. Um, I'd say Tim Stutzla uh, would be one of them. Like he played on that line with uh, with Bach, and uh, I can't remember who the other winger was. Paterka drafted, um, and Paterka, yeah. and um, and you know Stutzla was just a uh, you couldn't help but notice him, even though Germany was an underdog. Like he was just all over it every shift. So I would say that 
he probably put my mind at ease the most. <laughs> I uh, wanted to ask you about the two Flames prospects that are going to be going to the tournament as well. William Stromgren, who was the 2021 second-round pick of the Flames, 45th overall. He'll be suiting it up for Sweden. And then Topi Roni was the 59th overall selection, around two pick in 2022. He'll be playing for Finland. Uh, both forwards, both look to be kind of middle six guys, I would say. What have you seen from them, and what are you expecting at the tournament? Well, let's start with Roni. Uh, like. You know he's he's actually already getting more of a chance than uh, Stromgren is. Uh, you know in the exhibition play versus the U.S. here, the build up to the tournament, he's been playing in all situations. He's been using the top power play unit. Um, he's averaged uh, just over 16 minutes of ice in the exhibition. You know the thing with Roni is that um, he can be kind of a useful player that can can be three. He can throw him over the boards in a lot of different roles. He's long, right? Like he's six foot two. He's 180 pounds. So on the penalty kill, even if he's not getting his body in the lane, his reach is an asset. He rotates pretty well. He's got good hockey IQ. So he knows where he's got to be. Um, on the power play, I have to tell you guys, it's been disjointed so far. He's been surrounded by guys like uh, Jochen Kemmel, who likes to lug the puck or lug the puck and play very fast and. It seems like Topi's uh, kind of not sure where to be in transition through the neutral zone. So the good news, though, he's extending plays along the boards down low and kind of going to the crease looking for garbage. Um, so that's a positive. I'm expecting him to – I'm hoping. I'm not, I'm not going to say expecting. I'm hoping for um, more consistency and more opportunity out of him um, here at this tournament. He's done very well at the J20 level. Uh, in Liga, it's just been okay. Uh, but that's okay. It's a slow burn. He's going to take some time. Um, you know, he's got a lot of growth still. Like when you watch him skate, he's not a bad skater. He's a little bit knock kneed, but I'd like to see him get a little longer with his stride. He's a little choppy out of the gate and it, it takes a while for him to smooth out if you guys, under, you know what I mean? Like in, in, in transition and stuff. So um, we'll see how he does. Now, Stromgren, um, you know, I knew we were going to talk about this, and I'm trying to sugarcoat it as best I can, but I have concerns. Um, you know, he's a depth player for Sweden. Um, he's pretty much the same size as, as Topi. You know, he's like 6'3", 180. He's he's playing pure depth minutes for Sweden so far in the build-up. As a matter of fact, his line mates uh, are being used in special teams, uh, and he is not. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, he's another guy that when he plays at the J20 level overseas, he he does he does well like he's you know plays to his identity, um, but it's not been great at Brenes. Um, so the kid could use a little bit of a confidence boost. Maybe he gets uh, strikes lightning in a bottle here early in the tournament, gets some results, and and the coach uh, moves him up uh, in the depth chart. Jason Bukala, Sportsnet columnist and former NHL scout, joining us here on the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline what are you expecting out of Shane Wright this tournament Jason I'm expecting huge things yeah he looks motivated um, you know the kid uh, anybody who's any of our listeners who have an 18 year old kid at home um, you can only imagine what this kid's been going through for the last six seven eight months like you can have your opinion of him as uh, the first overall or as a hockey player or whatever but Let's give him some credit for being mentally tough enough to absorb a few blows here along the way so far. So I think that this is a nice uh, kind of reprieve for him, a, a reset, if you will. Um, it kind of helps that that uh, Connor Bedard kid's playing on his flank too. That, that looks pretty good. <laughs> so uh, 
Um, I'm expecting him to have a huge I, tournament. So it looks like they're going to play together. Yeah, Jason, I didn't like the Connor Bedard thing with the chin underneath the chin in the exhibition game that he did. Uh, you get punched in the face in the, in the National Hockey League if you do that. Maybe just dial that back a little bit, Connor. You know what, guys? Uh, this is something that I've noticed. Uh, I know, like, I'm a little old. I, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I'm a little old school with this stuff. Um, like, Don't do you that. Know, if you yeah. if you do that and and you're uh, a, a, pro- a productive player, like you're you're the best player on, on the ice. Let's just say you like you're you're a Wayne Gretzky type. That's a, that's a reach, but somebody else has to clean up your garbage, right? When you do that, and guys at the National Hockey League level, they'll do it, but they don't want to do it all the time. Like nobody wants to get punched in the beak because you've done something silly. Um, right. And I, I thought that that was one. There was another one too. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, I hate that nudge at the top of the pants from behind when a guy's going oh, yeah. to the boards. That one really bothers me. Like, I just, uh, to me, that's inexcusable because lots of bad things can happen from there. So he's going to have to be careful that way. And, uh, hey, when we get into, like, uh, uh, round robin and metal round play, as we all know, officiating in this event can be a little bit um, um, unpredictable, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and he's going to – it can hurt your team, right, at the wrong time. So dial that back a little bit. I, I'm with you. Wanted to ask you uh, a little bit about the draft class because typically for the draft class, we'll look at the World Junior Tournament and it'll be maybe Bedard or Fantilli. And apart from that, it'll be kind of quiet as far as the draft class. But you looking at this one and are saying that there could be a large portion of the top 10, maybe even the top 15 picks in the 2023 draft that are going to be playing at this tournament. How unique of a situation is that and how great of an opportunity is it for NHL scouts? Fantastic opportunity for all the scouting uh, fraternity. Um, I know for a fact, I'm speaking to a lot of my my colleagues, that it's not just your uh, – there's way more scouts coming to this event than normally would attend. So a lot of player development guys and, and even more scouts. And the reason is, of course, the draft class is elite. Um, you know, you're getting a lot of ink on the top guys, the Bedards, the Fantillis. You guys are seeing some guys out west, of course. But um, – there's two guys in Sweden that are, are really, they have a ton of momentum coming to this tournament. And Leo Carlson, the, uh, the forward for Sweden, um, six foot three, 200 pound guy, 204, something like that. He can play the wing. He can play the middle, uh, power, speed off the rush, goes to the paint with the puck, extend a play on the half wall. Uh, he can play the game any way you want. And I've said this uh, several times to people I've been talking to, like, um, but stating uh, 2014, we drafted Alexander Barkov in Florida, and that was the year that you know Seth Jones was supposed to go number one overall. And then you had McKinnon, and you hear about all these people, right? And but we had Barkov number one on our list at the end of the year. So splitting hairs between him and McKinnon, I'm not going to lie. But um, Carlson has the same momentum as Barkov did that year. That's how good this kid is. So. He's going to be in conversation in, in uh, midseason meetings and beyond for number one overall. He won't go number one overall, but they're going to talk about it. That's how good he is. And then the other kid is the Sandine Polika kid. Uh, he's a defenseman. He's a right shot D. Um, you know, he's like a 5'11", 180, but boy, does this guy skate. I mean, he is Elvis Stoiko on ice. Like, he is really, really good skater. Um, <laughs> transitions pucks can manage it on the power play. I'd like to see him shoot it more because he can walk the line and create his own space, but he looks to distribute more than get it through. 
and he can really shoot it. So I'm looking for him hopefully to get a chance on the top two units, uh, one of the top two units, and uh, and go from there. But those two kids, uh, keep a close eye on uh, on those two kids for Sweden because they're they're very elite. I don't know. Uh, just- I just wanted to have a quick one here. Sorry, George. Uh, I don't know if you do a lot of kind of like keeping your top 10 running throughout the year as what you're projecting for the upcoming draft, but how much has it changed this season? Because it's always been Bedard, but then there's been Leo Carlson and there's been Matt Vemichkov. And last year I was hearing a lot about Dalibor Dvorsky. And at the beginning of the season, we heard all about Adam Fantilli. Like how much has it changed and how it's, it's a credit to the talent, but how much has your top 10 changed over maybe the last six to eight months it's been very fluid absolutely like um uh, the kid from uh, from chechia um uh, soleil he came on the radar big time at the halinka tournament there in the uh, in the summer up in red deer and that that's you know threw a curveball in the whole uh, you know process right there and, and he's a top 15 pick already um so it's changed quite a bit it hasn't changed a ton at the top in terms of the names they're kind of an interchangeable but like I said, again, you know, the, the Carlson's and the Dvorsky kid, though, I have to tell you. So if we want to take a look at a guy that I'm expecting or I need more out of, that's one right there. So his, he's been a little bit inconsistent at the Alsvenskan level, which is the second level in Sweden. Um, when he gets to his own age group, he's been okay. But there's been a lot of ebbs and flows with his game. So um, him and Charlie Strammel from the U.S., who had a lot of momentum heading into the season, He's been pedestrian at Wisconsin, four goals, four assists so far, but not playing fast enough for me. Not Between the blue lines, we all know how fast the game is, right? So um, I'm okay if you don't transport the puck, but you better arrive on time in the offensive zone to give support. Um, kind of like the Shane Wright goal coming late the other night when Bedard just kind of flipped one backhand through the back seam and he was just standing there. you got to be in the area on time, and Strammel struggled with that. So... There's a couple of inconsistent players in that mix that are starting to, uh, you know, move in a negative direction. Hopefully this tournament, uh, I'm not holding it against them. I'm just observing. Hopefully this tournament gives them a, uh, a little bit of a boost. Uh, Jason, just a couple things before I let you go. I thought you said something very interesting to me. Uh, when a guy is a right shot defenseman, does that automatically give you a step above a left shot? It's like if 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 those two players are relatively close, you're always going to lean the right shot guy first because there's just fewer right shot defensemen. Am I oversimplifying things? No, I think you're on to something. The, the right shot defenseman at the NHL level, whenever we start to talk trades and targets, um, if you're a mobile right shot guy who can play your offside as well, and open up the ice, um, they're highly valuable. Like they just, they just are. And um, you're not oversimplifying it. All things being equal, if I've got a left shot guy, right shot guy, and their skill set is pretty much the same, but the uh, the right shot guy can play the offside and still do all the rest, I'm leaning right shot guy. Um, also, um, real quick here too, Milan Lucic has been bumped up to the second line, and he's played fairly well here. Um, Jason, since uh, he was a healthy scratch for a handful of games, as a former NHL scout, and I'm sure you, you haven't put Milan Lucic under the microscope, but at this point of his career, what do you see from him? I actually thought he was better prepared to play this year. I thought he, his, he, he had found a little bit more pace to his game. Um, I, you know, I think this is a little bit of a midseason anomaly, to be perfectly honest to you or for you. It, it, I think he's. For the Flames to be successful, um, 
he's gonna he's gonna have to play depth minutes come uh, come the second half of the season. I, I I don't know that the Flames have been um, frustrating for me. They're leaving a lot of points on the ice, uh, even last night. But there's a lot of small details, so I've been more concerned about the small details in their game than I have uh, Milan Lucic. Uh, let's be honest; he's had a lot of opportunity on that contract to. Uh, to, to get minutes at other times. Some other teams might not have given him any minutes and he's earned some back. So good for him. Uh, hopefully he continues to contribute, but long-term um, not, not sure it's a, it's a solution. Uh, Jason, terrific stuff. All the best during the holidays, safe travels out East. And let's have you on in the new year to recap the tournament. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Happy holidays guys. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks Jay. No problem. Uh, great stuff. Jason Bukula, Sportsnet columnist, former NHL scout on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Terrific stuff from Jason there. And again, uh, we, we keep hearing about it. This is the draft class where if you're going to tank in the NHL, oh, yeah. this is the one you want to get into. You don't even have to win the lottery. You just no. have to be in the lottery and you're probably going to get someone you like. Yeah. Especially especially if you player. enter the first round and you're thinking best player available. Yeah. Because the I further down you get, yeah. Yeah, Listen, 100%. You, that... I don't care if you're an NHL general manager. I don't care if you're a fantasy football manager or fantasy hockey manager. Always take best player available. Once you start drafting for need, that's when you get into issues. Prime example, the Habs years ago, because <laughs> they, they couldn't find a center, they take Kakaniemi third overall, instead which was a surprise. Of, instead of? Instead of Brady Kachuk, who went the next pick. But you had too many wingers, George. Oh, yeah. Again, best player available at that pick was Brady Kachuk. They should have drafted him. And we all know about Kakaniemi's mom and the memes we saw coming from that. God bless her. But they should have drafted Brady Kachuk. And that's the thing. Best player available. You figure it out in your organization. That's oh, what you got to do. 100%. Totally agree. And, and a lot of and, good forwards in this draft. I sure. would say more so than defensemen. And another thing, I am not, I have learned my lesson in this business. Mm-hmm. I never criticize, uh, well, I just did criticize a draft pick. But, I mean, as they, as they happen, I don't criticize draft picks because I just don't know what they're going to look like when they hit the pros. Much like in the NFL, much like in the NHL, you just don't know. The Bills remember, Matty. Okay. And Mina yep. Kimes from ESPN, God bless her, I love her analysis, she roasted the bills that they drafted Josh Allen where they did. Look you at him just now. don't know. Look at him now. Like, right. closer to home, how about Tage Thompson? You just never yeah. know. That guy was a, a high pick. He was a first Late rounder. Bloomer. Late bloomer. Yep. Didn't turn out. Had to hop around. Well, Didn't even find a home in his second in the Sabres. He toiled in the AHL. We we heard yep. from Elliot Friedman just a couple weeks ago. There was a team that could have had Tage Thompson for a fifth round pick when he was toiling in the AHL in the Sabres well, organization. Not even well, with it, the Blues. After the Ryan it, O'Reilly trade. And again, we see guys like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews burst out onto the scene as rookies and just dominate from game one. But Generally, it takes some time for these guys to learn the NHL level and and exceed and succeed. 
Look at Jack Hughes. A lot of people are calling Jack Hughes sure. a bust. Lafreniere, I think he's going to be a really good player. He was great he in the playoffs. Still to find it. Still trying but, to find it. Yep. Yeah, like we even talked about Quinton Byfield yesterday. Dude's only twenty. Give him some time. There's so much more put on the young players at this point, just because there's been because the so cap. many guys. Well, the cap's right. a big part of it. You have to have yeah. ELCs that are doing work on your roster at this point in the year. But just right. because the the talent of young players is growing at a very large rate. And I understand uh, preaching patience in an era where the salary cap in both the NFL and the NHL, you need instant results from those guys. But sometimes it does take a while for these guys to blossom into the players they're going to be. It's another key as to how you have to really time when that ELC starts and not yeah. rush guys to the NHL. Like patience is a virtue. Matty. Yeah, Victor Hedman. People sure. called him a bust. Yeah, and then he went and won how many Norrises and how many cups? Right, right. It so, takes time sometimes. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm right for there those with guys you. To bake. Um, one more hour to go. Go put him down in the the AHL oven. Put it up to four fifty. Don't open. Sure. Don't peek. Don't you Don't peek, peek because that'll you, ruin it. You can turn on the light, but that's fine. Uh, Derek Wills, <laughs> the Flames play-by-play voice straight ahead, and we'll talk to uh, John Allers, Anaheim Ducks play-by-play voice for Valley Sports SoCal. Got to ask him, how tough is it to get to the rink every night when chances are the Ducks didn't get their ass handed to them? <laughs> I bet traffic around the building's not too bad. but That's got to be tough, I bet getting right? out of bed is maybe a little harder. Uh, and we'll still we'll read some of your texts. Do you actually know someone who celebrates festivists, like for reals? And Huberto turning down open looks in front of the net last night is like me turning down blank. We'll do all of that in the final hour before we shut things down for the holidays. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.